Welcome to the Big Beatles Sort Out. In the first series, I, author and musician Gary Abbott, ranked all the Beatles' core catalogue releases with the help of my Beatles expert brother Paul. In series two, we worked our way through an assortment of added Beatles goodies, such as Live at the BBC, the anthology series and the movies. And now for series three, we're looking at all the post-Beatles singles released in the decade following their breakup. As with series one, we will take five songs in random order each week and score them for music, production and lyrics to find the best post-Beatles Beatles hits. Thanks for joining us as we try and sort out the Beatles. Except this week, where we are not doing that because it's bonus week. It's our 10 episodely bonus bonus week. And so I guess this is season three, episode 21. And with us we have, as usual, Mr. Paulie Abbott. Paul Bonus Abbott. Paul, yeah. Paul the Bonus Abbott. So yeah, we, we you know we like to break them up. Gives us a bit of a difference every every ten episodes or so. So we'll be doing a bit of a bit of this, bit of that, you know, all the usuals. But don't forget, you can keep in touch with us at big underscore sort on Twitter and Instagram, or by email to bigbeetlesortout at gmail.com. And do please drop us a review on whatever platform you're listening on if you can, and like and share our posts. Um, and check the episode description for links to our various other projects. And if you are listening to this, and this is the first episode for some reason you've ever listened to, maybe because loads of people have told you it's really good, um, don't <laughs> listen to this as the first episode. That would be weird. Go yeah. back and listen to one of the normal episodes first. Okay? I just want to clear that up. Good advice. Good advice. And And... And if you do go back and listen to one of the normal episodes, especially if it's like episode one of series one, just remember it takes you a few episodes to get into it. That's the only thing. Yes. How are you, Paul? I'm all right, other than nearly slicing the end of my finger off on the weekend, which you psychically, you responded (laughs) a few miles down the road by also trying to slice one of your fingers off. My thumb, in fact, yeah. Which is a, yeah. one of those weird, like brother links, but, but not a good one. I don't no. really want to get. If this is it. our, if this is our, we discover our superpower when we got into our forties, and it's that if we chop our own our fingers off at the same time, even when we're miles apart, that's rubbish. It. Yeah, and I can't see a practical application for it. I think you did. How long? But also, we can time it because when did you cut your finger? It was in the morning, wasn't it? Cutting. It was in the morning. So, what kind of time, roughly? I don't know, about. 10 off 10 or something 10 off 10 and i cut my thumb that afternoon without knowing that you'd cut your finger yeah and i cut it i'd say about half past five so what's that a that's bit, a bit of lag there six and a half seven hours that's the liverpool to stoke psychic yeah that's <laughs> we can, we can now work out speed, speed and <laughs> speed of psychic thought yeah, yeah. but um powerful yeah but, apart but from it that, does mean I won't be whipping out the guitar tonight just to illustrate anything. Because one, we're not doing anything about songs specifically, and two, I've still got a plaster on me th- on my finger. Yeah, exciting life, isn't it? It is. Well, you know, I find that quite exciting. It's one of my stories now that we cut our fingers and thumb on the same day without knowing about it. Because I, I was excited when I saw it on Instagram. I thought, what? Why? I have as well. I was very pleased to that. Uh, the John Lennon, my rock and roll finger um, yes. clip from Get Back exists now to use as an illustration for just these moments. Mm. Yes, very good. Um, so we're not going to do a huge amount today. It's all a bit loose, as you might already be able to tell. Um, we're going to still do our Beatles Day, which we'll get on to, and we're going to look a little bit at the charts um, just from a, a couple of different angles. Uh, and then we asked you some for some questions. We went out today and said, please send us any questions you might have because we've got nothing else to talk about on our bonus episode. Uh, <laughs> so we haven't... I, I know that there's been something that come in and I haven't had a chance at all to prepare. So we'll just see how we get on with them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get on with the Beatles Day, Paul, unless you've got anything else. Do you want to know what I'm drinking this week? Oh, sorry. What are you drinking today, Paul? <laughs> this will be the last time I do this because it's just... I didn't mean to start doing this, but... <laughs> Um, I'm drinking, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this, it's called Impossibrew. So this, was, I think, was on Dragon's Den or something. It's like a non-alcoholic beer company Okay, has been founded, but it's got this stuff in that they call Social Blend TM, which is like L-theanine and Griffonia seed, which is supposed to sort of help replicate the sort of buzz you get after a couple of pints of oh, beer. Yeah. Um, I think L-theanine is something you get in like green tea. 
Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can't swear to. I thought I'd try it out. Yeah. Um, I can't swear to the buzz really, but I will say actually they do like a pale ale, a lager, and a stout. And they're yeah. all they're, they're three of the nicest, you know, non-alcoholic non things ones, yeah. that sa- that taste sound. Taste sound. <laughs> they sound the most like beer. That's what is important with a the beer, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's just that it's that. As yeah. you open the, whatever. but no, they taste the most sort of like a decent sort of IPA yeah. pale type thing, and so it was quite interested, really. Yeah. And it's full of some kind of weird. Yeah, semi- I probably probably shouldn't be narcotic. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's all natural stuff. It's not like it's it's not like these CBD drinks, which I know again is natural stuff, but it's not it's not like I'm going at it with like. Got to get that. Got to get some sort of high out of it. No. But it, I just sort of try it, and it's it's interesting. It's interesting because I I have. I mean, I'm I don't I'm not really worried about my drinking. However, I have started not drinking at the weekends, having finally after all these years realised it's best to be. I may as well be hung over on works time. <laughs> basically, so and have and be That's nice, healthy, and be nice and fresh for the, not not because I drink very much, because I get hung over on one sometimes one gin and tonic, so it, it doesn't take me much. Um, so I, I've started trying to reorientate my Fridays and Saturdays. So, but I still feel like I want that reward, but not not an actual a feel. I know just, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's when you sort of. A- a bit of a creature of habit, really. But, However, I yeah. will say that if any of our good friends do, like a couple of a couple have, come over to Liverpool and want to hang out and uh, go to Beatles pubs, I will drink beer in those places. Yeah, you've not you know, ruled it out entirely, have you? It's just, no, just no. In the day to day, what I was going to say is I'm, I'm going down more the route of trying to find interesting ginger beers because I like ginger beers, but I don't because they're pop basically and sweet. I don't have them. Uh, I have them as a treat thing, and then dark chocolate. Because that there's something about having a nice, a really oh, nice chocolate good, yeah. a, a fiery ginger beer. What when whilst munching on very high cocoa content chocolate, or should I say cacao? Um, that um, that know, feels like you? yeah, it feels like you're having a treat, you know, and does yeah. m- does blend a bit to make a nice kind of oh, I feel oh. nice, relaxed. Yes, uh, uh, so that works for me. But um, I'm still trying to cast. I'm still casting around for for a good ginger beer. I bought some a couple of days ago that. It looked really nice, and it was in glass bottles, kind of stubby glass bottles, a bit like French lagers come in. I yeah, thought, oh, yeah. those look interesting. And then um, Hazel, my wife, kind of read off the bottle, brewed for three days for a full taste. Ooh. A whole three days. Can't um, wait. I don't know how... I mean, I've made my own ginger beer, and it took weeks, so I don't know what the, why they advertised. And they know. weren't very good. It was very sweet, sweetener kind of stuff. Well, there you go. So we are... St- yeah, people can send us their recommendations for decent non-alcoholic beers and ginger beers. Yeah, as I really well, want to find... Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to stop talking about what I drink on this show because yeah. it's not important, and we're wasting time doing it now again. <laughs> well, we've got to on this episode. <laughs> yeah, pad uh, it out. Yeah. I, I, I uh, wanna... The dietary habits of the Big Beetle Sort Out yeah, crew. No one asked us that, but we're telling you anyway. I also want to mention, Paul, um, that I have finally, because I had a dec- redecorate of my room um, that I'm sitting in now, my home office slash studio, and on my door now is my Abbey Road um, recording sign that you got me. Oh, excellent. Which has been, you, you got me, what is it, Studio 2 recording yeah. in progress, kind of red-backed, kind of plastic sign. And um, I, I finally got that up on my door. So Good. Share a picture on Instagram and yeah. uh, Twitter. I will do, and I'll point at it and do a stupid little grin, like in all okay. the pictures that I'm in. Okay. Um, oh, my computer just disappeared, but it's come back. Okay, uh, let's do On This on Beatles, this Beatles day. day. Yes, Paul, which should be the 20th of March. 20th of March. Are you just... Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to make me think there's an echo? <laughs> no, I'm just being silly. Okay. I feel a bit like sort of half-term. Um yeah, 20th of March, and I've chosen the 20th of March, 1969, mainly because we haven't talked about John Oyoko for a couple of weeks, because they haven't been out of the pick bag for a while. No. Uh, so I've picked a day that's generally all about them, mm-hmm. but I have also got really sidetracked looking into it, because it was their wedding day, 20th of oh. March, 1969. Okay. So, as fans of the Ballad of John and Yoko will know, it happens in Gibraltar. Uh, so they get they get married in, in Gibraltar yes, on the twentieth of, of March, nineteen sixty nine, yeah. and it's you know it's well known what happened there basically. And like you know their wedding album box set came out with replicas of the marriage license and a couple of photos and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I've got a copy of the the marriage license license. Yeah, you know, what do they call them? 
certificate. certificate. Um, oh, let's have a look on here. Right, okay. So we've got 20th March 1969, and we've got John Winston Lennon, 28, previous marriage dissolved. He is a musician composer who lives at Kenwood, Cavendish Drive, Weybridge, Surrey. Mm. Father's name, which is always weird, isn't it? Just your father's name on these yeah, things. Yeah, I think that's changing uh, soon. I've read. I'm, I might be making that up. You might be. But, uh, yeah, Alfred Lennon, uh, his occupation, seaman, retired. Um, seaman, I said that really... I was so C-man. cautious about not saying that in a rude way. I've just made it sound really weird. Yeah. Um, marrying Yoko Ono Cox, 36 years old, previous marriage dissolved, artist at 25 Hanover Gate Mansion, London W1. Mm-hmm. Uh, father's name, uh, Kisuke Ono, a banker, retired. And... Registrar's office by Governor's Special Licence before me, C.J. Wheeler, that is Cecil Joseph Wheeler, who was the registrar. Mm-hmm. And so it's John and Yoko Wed, witnessed by Peter Brown, who was the Beatles' PA, very, very important. Peter Brown, you know, as features in the song, Peter Brown called to say. Of course. And also David Nutter, who's taken a load of photographs for them. So David Nutter was the brother of Tommy Nutter, who is the um, fashion designer, suit maker, you know, big Savile Row name, big important fashion name, mm. who I think was in a relationship with Peter Brown at the time. Right. And he, he but he takes David Nutter, his brother, over there to like he just basically says, Can you be at the airport at a certain time? And um, Gibraltar. It's like, why? It's all oh, you'll find out. It's oh, take photos of John and Yoko's wedding. But um basically what happens is John and Yoko are in Paris decide to get married, uh, start, do that thing of looking around for where how to get married. Can we get married on the ship? Can we get married here? No, you need to be a resident for a certain amount of time, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And Gibraltar ends up being this sort of only option. So they jump into a plane. Right. And they fly out to Gibraltar. They get married. They go back. And they're only in Gibraltar something like a little over an hour. Right. You know, the ceremony takes less than 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, oh, is that, yeah. oh, is that it? And then, and, and that, what, then they're back on a plane again or something. Back on a plane to Paris. So, oh. yeah, it's, um, yeah, they've been staying in Paris. And it's a few days after. So, the 12th of March was when Paul and Linda had got married in London. Right. Which, okay. What, which, the, the same, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And we're talking about what we're, what, what 69. Yeah, 69, but then we're on about the um, 20th of March. Oh, so it's literally eight days apart, okay. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, of course there's a lot of speculation is why did John and Yoko suddenly decide to get married? Is it Mm. because they were jealous that Paul and Linda got the attention and all that sort of stuff? Lots of theories. I mean, I think it's just they had found partners that they were... Yeah, and the You know, and it was all part and parcel of the the way things were going. You know, they had found their alternative partners to each other, John and Paul, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that day that Paul and Linda had got married, of course, was the day that George and Patty got busted for drugs, right. famously. People remember George talking about it on the anthology and things like that. Mm. Uh, Paul and Linda go over to America for a- actually to have a honeymoon. And, of course, John and Yoko's honeymoon becomes the Amsterdam bedding. Right. Of course. I mean, mm. I love the fact that they get married <laughs> they get married in Gibraltar. And if you want to, you can find out the name of the pilot, the type of plane that they were on. They were mm. only in Gibraltar for, like, 70 minutes or something. Yeah. You know, it's uh, talk about, you know, the most famous man on the planet at that point, probably, Mm. you know, try to do something low key. And yet it's still ridiculously well documented. Mm. Yeah. And of course, Ringo's off filming the Magic Christian at this point as well, if you just need to know what's going on with Ringo as well. Yeah. Um, And when they get back, obviously, John and Paul record the ballad of John and Yoko. Of course. Yeah. Because they're still going, aren't they? April 1969. This is after everything we've seen in Get back and let it yeah. be. Yeah. But um so Abbey Road's still on the station, isn't it? Being, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was it. So a big day for John and Yoko, very important day. Them in their sort of white clothes, famously in the pictures you can see from there. Mm-hmm. And so of course I did what I always do is I'd sort of try to find some weird fact. So I thought I'd look up Cecil Joseph Wheeler, the marriage registrar. Okay. In the newspapers, see if there's anything in the newspapers about him. And it led me so, this is a new feature that seems to be emerging, which is Paul tells terrible stories about oh, no. things that happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found his name mentioned somewhere else in a story called, that was headlined from the D- Daily Year, um from July 24th, 1968. 
Jane weds and mother wears black. The atmosphere was highly strained when Jane Harries, the 16-year-old runaway debutante, married her hairdresser friend Gavin Hodge in Gibraltar yesterday. Right. It's like, ooh, that's intriguing. Okay. The bride's mother, Mrs. Anne Harries, was dressed in black from the top of her high crown bowler hat to her shoes with only three rows of pearls to, re- to relieve the sombre effect. She was obviously upset clutching her husband's hand during the wedding and turned slightly away so she did not watch the actual ceremony. And it was Cecil Wheeler who did this runaway's wedding. Right. But when we say runaway, the word in there impo- that's important is debutante. Because you know, six, she's 16 year old. So this, is, this ends up being this horrible, tragic story. Um, but it's like something out of an episode of Endeavour, which has just finished. Um, the Inspector Morse, young Inspector Morse thing. Right. You know, this is like a classic 60s story of a totally different social strata that in Endeavour would end up with someone having done something terrible. But in this one, it just it's just a really tragic tale from the real world. Um, so this this Jane Harries mm. was sort of known in the newspapers and the sort of social pages at the age of 15, she'd won, like, a, a competition in a music paper, and she was known as Miss Mod. Right. You know, and but she was, like, a really talented young show jumper, and so she was really well-known. So all the society pages, which you have to remember, existed in the Times, kind of still do to a way, to these days. Uh, well, so the, she's, like... Those pages about people, like... Yeah, pro- about pro- who's... prolific figures in society. Yeah, people, rich people who are having balls, essentially... And and going to um, oh who's go, who's doing what yeah who's type things where. yeah pre celebrity but kind of more in the kind of a set of a social strata type of yeah so she's born in this world of privilege you know like debutante balls cocktail parties mm. so like I was looking in the Times and like for her name then because I was intrigued by this story and it's like oh her parents are giving a cocktail party for Miss Jane Harry's fifteen and all it's, it's mad but you have to remember like she becomes sort of famous in the newspapers at fifteen mm. she gets. She hooks up with her hairdresser and runs off, saying she wants to marry him. And she so she's in the newspaper because she's a, a, a society runaway. Yeah. And she eventually comes back, and and they're like, "Well, you will marry. You can marry him at a certain age." And she's like, "I'm not waiting. I'm going to Gibraltar." So her parents go with her, and obviously he's not happy if your mother turns up in black to your wedding. Mm. It's a, a sign. And then she gets like in the newspapers. At some point, she was famous because she went to royal ascot and went into the tried to get into the royal enclosure right which she'd i think she had a ticket to go there she was supposed to be there yeah but she t- she dared turn up to royal ascot in a trouser suit rather than a skirt or you know a dress oh my goodness and got turned away oh and so she was she became famous for that she runs off with a boyfriend she gets then like in november 1969 guess what they've split up right and then she keeps appearing in the paper but it becomes more about she was caught with someone who had cannabis. Right. She was caught with cannabis. Yeah. You know, and so this goes on into the 70s. Oh, now she's kicking cannabis and she's going to be off working as a mission in, in Ceylon, which is Sri Lanka. Um, and then she gets, at some point, she gets up in court in front of a judge who basically says, you're a waste of space. You've never had a job. You, you're, And he uses the word useless and this sticks to her. Right. And in 1977, she's dead after taking heroin. You know, right. She's found she's found collapsed in a in a public toilet having taken heroin, and then this leads to complications, and she dies. So she's only very, very, very young. Yeah, it's a tragic story. It is. It's, uh, and but it's you know in Endeavour, someone it would be who'd given her the heroin, who's supplying yeah. drugs type thing. But this is just a terrible, tragic story of a totally different world and a totally different time. You have to remember, 19, we think of the Beatles as being this big societal shift mm. you know the, well, you know because they're working class lads coming f- from here and and but no there was this huge like obsession with people who had money yeah because they have money and it sort of feeds the newspapers and it becomes this sort of horrible thing where this this poor girl who's basically had no chance no but getting called useless that happens still i think that's that's just that, well a, that's the terrifying temp- thing yeah it's the template for what happens now uh other than I think now, well, there are people who are still people for just for being people, aren't they? They're just the sons yeah. and daughters of people who are all who are either inherited a lot of wealth and fame, or or yeah, yeah or, 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 or 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 all this talk about sort of nepotism and nepo yeah. babies and things like that. Well, this is the thing. There is a, there's a horrifyingly 
large amount of artists in different parts of the industry in acting and in music where one quick look at the Wikipedia page and at the parents, you go, oh, okay, <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it may have helped that their, that, their you know, their father oh, was yeah, it's, a and it's all like those, agent. Those or, things, yeah. yeah, yeah. All those things you see in the newspaper, which are the headline is, or online, it's like the headline is, uh, this student bought their own four-bedroom house by the age of 21 and no debt left. Yeah. And it's like, look down, look down. Uh, lives at home, rent-free, parents give them an allowance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. it's... And also, I mean, that thrusting of celebrity upon people too young to deal with it is... Well, I that's think, exactly what happens here, which is what, you know, she was famous at 15 without one without any say in it. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like that's a, a sad Nuts. tale about the beginnings Absolutely. of a culture that... I don't know if we have perhaps... I don't know if it's, if it's as desirable now in such an overly... Um, policed kind of by by more well, people policed world anymore that people don't really want their 15 minutes as much now because i don't know there's people out there who definitely do but there's so many people doing it on such a smaller scale that this idea of these big because it's just such a poison chalice isn't it now oh it's horrible i mean yeah and and with with social media now of course yeah. people yeah. get absolutely she probably wouldn't have had those extra seven years nowadays it would have all happened a lot quicker and, and you know yeah but anyway, oh well, there we go. There's a jolly one, isn't it? Uh, on on that. Um, Sorry, Gary. Your, your Paul's tales of tragic sixties um, people. Um, just going back to the the one last week about Liz Moore. I did try to pick up. I think it was Liz Moore, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, which was obviously tragic in that nothing is like that. But she had a, you know, she died in an accident in a car um, crash. Yeah, car crash. But I did try and find out if the sculptures she'd made. So last week you told us about you. You pointed us towards this Pathé News. Yeah, and reel, I shared the Pathé News, which reels I watched today, today. And, and it got so. me really intrigued as to what happened to the sculptures. Did because she yeah, says yeah. in it she wanted to give them to the Beatles, but there's no, you never find out, and I couldn't find it. So I, I did try, and I approached. There's a Facebook page set up for her, kind of a tribute one, yeah. which is the only kind of link I could find. And I asked, messaged them, and they did get back in touch, but they had no idea, and they said the only oh. p- contacts they'd have are quite private, so they wouldn't want to. Um, they wouldn't want to uh, to to. No, no. Pass any details on, which is fine. But all I would say is, if anyone out there, you know, listens to this and has any links to um to her story, I I, I just wonder if anyone would know where they are because there's there's four really good looking. I mean, they look great, don't they? As well, you know, yeah, and she's yeah, very talented and a very lot of important person. In them. Yeah, and um, and I just wonder where they ended up. I'm just really intrigued, but I, I don't know how I'd ever find out because there's really very little to go on on the internet. So yeah. so you know, if anyone is listening and just wants to, you know knows With, anything about Liz Moore's sculptures yeah just be interested it'd be, like, it'd be nice just to know if they, they found a home or if yeah. they're still in the family great you know that's that'd be nice too yeah so yeah well there um, we go we're 20 odd minutes into this podcast and we haven't we haven't even started arguing about whether we can hear George Harrison's voice on a song people won't well, people will be switching off in droves <laughs> yes well thank you for um, that, that Beatles day or this Beatles day yeah, oh. sorry, let me just give you a quick couple oh. of headlines, though, about, about John and Yoko. Okay. So, like, Daily Mail correspondent, Yoko gets her man in just three minutes. It's a very accusatory sort of yeah uh, language, you know. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, all these reports are exactly the same thing, essentially. Mm. Whereas, like, the Times says, like, Lennon and Yoko marry in white. Oh, no, that's a Telegraph, sorry. Mm. Um, which is a bit more matter of fact. Yeah. You know that sort of thing, and but they're all essentially because the press wasn't invited. Right. <laughs> they have to just basically go on a few photos they've been fed afterwards, yeah. really. But somehow, still, the Daily Mail manages to get in a you know a, yeah, a slight. Yeah, good old the Daily Mail. Yes, and by that I mean bad, terrible Daily Mail. Okay, well then, shall we? Um, shall we do some stats, stats fans? You're the stats man. Yeah, I'm not going to do very many because there's not that many ways to slice this. So I'm just going to do a bit of this. Then we'll get on to some questions from people and see how we get on with them. Yeah. Um, the only thing I thought might be interesting is looking at each individual's little chart so far. We've only got okay. about four or five episodes to go after this to finish it off. So it's just a little, you know, state of play. 24 tracks we've got left to do Have when we? we come back. Yeah. Um, Actually, and- it's not 25. I thought I'd managed to round it up. Oh, possibly. Um, sorry, in... yeah. Sorry, I've not included the live, live. version of Maybe I'm Amazed. Yes. So, so, uh, so put pop that in there as well. So five, five episodes left after this, 
And we have got, I think, on top of that, a, a bonus episode of associated things that we have to do. Otherwise, we will not be complete. Ooh, and we couldn't bear that. I couldn't bear it. No. Um, okay, so five episodes left after this. So I thought maybe let's have a look. So first thing I thought, let's have a look at each, at the kind of top and bottom of each individual's chart, because obviously we read them all out in one go. So I thought in, in alphabetical order, if we start with George for Harrison, mm-hmm. um, we look at his top three. So his highest charting so far has been at number 13. So he's not quite broken the top 10. Um, but he's got to number 13 with soft-hearted Hana. Hana. Which was from that great one from last week, which I listened to again, and it is brilliant. Yeah. It's a great song. And I've got it uh, going, going around in my head. I think it was interesting because the last episode of um, I Am The Egg Pod that came out mm. as of us recording this was basically um, George Harrison's brainwashed album. Right. He was doing it on there with his guest, Chris and his guest. Mm-hmm. And there's so much Hawaii on that as well, reference to Hawaii and, and sort of sounds. And it's it's so interesting to hear. I don't know whether people would think George Harrison's on it, you know, outside mm. of the Beatles, what was he, you know, people think of handmade films and they think of, mm. um, you know, perhaps some of his solo stuff like My Sweet Lord and things like that. But I don't know whether people would go, oh, Hawaii with George, but it was clearly a very important place to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, looking at the list of songs, so we've got at the top, Soft Hearted Hana, Maya Love, World of Stone, and Deep Blue. Those are the top kind of four of his, which kind of go, that was number 13, 18, 20, and 23, those ones. I mean, I actually realised that, you know, he hasn't got a huge oeuvre of really well-known stuff, has he, from that decade? There's, there's not... Yeah. In the UK, he struggled, you know, yeah. We've said did not chart quite a lot. yeah. But there's some great songs in there to be found, isn't there? It's just that they're not they're not as well known. There is, uh, and there's at le- there's at least one very significant one yes, we haven't covered yet, which you've just uh, mentioned but an- as well. Yeah, at least another couple that are, I'd say, strong contenders. Yeah, I mean, I've been really interested that like I've really loved some. I mean, Soft Hearted Hannah and World of Stone are both B sides, and I think they come off a lot better than some of the A sides. So looking down the bottom of his of his chart. His lowest placed one at number 90, which is out of 95 at the moment, is um, Harry's on tour because yeah. it's got no words for a start. So Bit I think that's suffered from, from that. Um, or it's got very little words. And then we've got I Don't Care Anymore, which we kind of spoke about it being pretty much a, a kind of a prescient song about how it turned out, really, that kind of song. the way. It yeah. And then Ding Dong, Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> because it's ding dong ding dong and who who makes a new year song um but yeah so he's got it's, it's been an interesting so far with george and we won't i say we'll save that because there might be some stuff in the questions about that but it's i've had some really nice surprises with this i think it's been a real big theme about his his style and it's been an eye opener or an ear opener i should say um john then so john's only just slightly got um, a couple of songs Ringo's had the least songs looked at altogether so far because he's got the least John's second on that list really and then it's then it's George and Paul with the most songs so John's um, songs at the top obviously right at the top at number one we've got Imagine and then he kind of populates four places in the top ten with Imagine at number one just like starting over at number five Stand By Me at number eight and Give Peace a Chance at number nine I mean, not far behind them in kind of, you've got Cold Turkey, Whatever Gets You the Night, Woman, Power to the People, Working Class Hero, those are all in the top 20. I mean, his his distribution is very top heavy as far as like, well, I'll say top of the charts type of thing. He hasn't got a big spread. He's got less songs, but they do they do seem to be higher up. Right, up. I think he did less, but maybe a little bit. Well, I mean, bit. this is John who has a few years off, essentially. Yes. In the 70s. Yeah. So he's Which missing, is, missing a few years. Yeah, it's um, and we haven't got many John ones left to do after. No, after we haven't seen for we a couple weeks because I wanted to make sure the last few last kind of run of episodes had a good balance and the way the randomizer went went, I had to do some manipulation. But and down at the bottom for him, we've got the very lowest one. I'm not sure why this is under John's actually. You have to remind me. I've got "Don't Worry, Kyoko" as his lowest scoring one, but that I don't know why because. Because that's Yoko. It's Yoko, isn't it? But um, 
Yeah, I haven't done. Let me do Yoko's chart then. But I don't, don't know why that's under John's. So forgetting that then, Beef Jerky's his lowest one. Move over Miss L behind yeah. that and Meet City. And they are ones that are like... They Throw away boogie stuff a bit, yeah, really. Yeah, not worked out so well. Um, I think Yoko's chart might be mixed up, a bit mixed up because um, who has seen the wind and don't worry, Kyoko, have gone under John's name for some reason. Yoko's little, little, tiny little chart has got Kiss, Kiss, Kiss at number 10. I mean, what a, oh, it's what such a, a good song. What a way to place, though, you know. And um, open your box down at 93. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she's been a real surprise for this, for me. Not because I expected, I didn't, I, I only know what most people know is that, you know, famously, you know, she, she, she sometimes sat in a bag and wailed into a microphone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously, that's, that does tend that, to set, set expectations, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the 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 lingering legacy of of a, a media artist. You know, she was very visual with herself in the art very mm. early on, and it is and it's very very easy to make fun of things like that without taking any sort of thought about the purpose and the message and yeah, and even absence of message is sometimes is important a thing or the anti art aspect of it. Um, but then, you know, when you look closer and you you take, uh, you know, a, a microscope to the different things that she's done, you, you get some amazing stuff in there. Absolutely. Yeah, some brilliant stuff. I, I, I think the thing is, when you think about it, actually, the songs that people probably have images from for things like Rock and Roll Circus and other things like that is John's songs with her on the stage doing things along to it. But the, yeah. the, the ones where they, they've, they've recorded them and they're her led songs, that's a different matter as well. Yes. And they're very good. Okay, on to Paul then. So obviously he's got the most songs out of everybody. He he dominates. Yeah, we've still got quite a few Paul and Wings ones. Yeah, left to do. he's he's the most. I mean, uh, we know this, don't we? It's, it, it, he's the most productive, and as such, his distribution is slightly more varied. <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot of the top spots. So from top to bottom, the kind of top ones he's got in. He's got Live and Let Die at number two. Another day at no, at, at number three. Mull of Kintyre at number four. Band on the Run at number six. Loving Song at number seven. Um, and then you're going to get to Jet before you get his next one at number 15. But he has got a lot kind of in the mid to low distribution because I just think he throws so, through so much at it and Wings are such a... They, they, I, 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 I'm learning a lot about Wings in this in this series. Yeah. I'm learning they are a very broad church of musically as far as you, you could really love one end of what they do and really not like the other end from yeah, one single to the next couldn't it's you it's whether you see them as a as a band in and of themselves or as a tool of paul yeah uh, and and they they do both during the course of of the career of the various wings line lineups and i mean i think everyone who plays in wings is brilliant mm. you know that some leave for different reasons and and that's fine. Everyone who plays, but I do think they so they do suffer somewhat from being subject to the whims of McCartney, who yeah does to them what he did to the Beatles, and that's not me being huh, Paul was overbearing and stuff like that. It's how he works. Yeah, at that point, you know, his output his process, yeah. couldn't be contained. He couldn't stop himself. He yeah. was a, a maker of stuff. He absolutely is, and it, it, yeah, and that that that's the theme that comes across is that his process is record it all, and if you don't record it all, if it doesn't work, come back to it and make it work later. Hmm. And I think for McCartney, it make it work like hook or crook. It, it, I mean, I I kind of sympathise with it because I'm I, I I write a lot, as you know, and I and to all outside, not that I, not that it makes much difference, but I put a lot of stuff out on my own on the internet and whatever and I always have done I've always recorded and written a lot of songs however even when people who know me think well aren't you always putting stuff out that's only half of what I write because there's 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 a there's some the Gary, the Gary Abbott archive is yeah, extensive there is I mean if my SoundCloud is over 100 songs kind of thing um, but and that's not all of them, and a lot of them are on Super private. Deluxe box set. Yeah, well, if if I could convince anyone to buy anything that I make, <laughs> they could they could have it all. But like you know, I, I get that that thing. It's just it's interesting because he obviously needs to go through that and feel put his belief behind everything he does. But it just doesn't always work, as evidenced by the 
not just the spread of my scores, but by the spread of his placement in the charts, despite his already massive success. But anyway, down at the bottom, as case in point, we have Rudolph the Red-Nosed um, Reggae. Well, quite. At, with, at 95 out of 95. <laughs> Cook of the House at 92, which I think was a shame, because I just think it was um, weirdly ruined by being this badly recorded. Mary Had a Little Lamb, which is... Mm. You know, is, is and girls' school, which is give Ireland back to the Irish. They're all kind of ones where it's a bit like oh, Helen Wheels, that, that kind of weird when wings are trying to do glam sounding and it just doesn't work so well. And you've got the mess getting closer. They're all a little, they're the ones that I listen to them going, This sounds like everything that's left over from your good songs put together. Or, but anyway, he's he's got a very fair spread. On to Ringo, then. Richie. Yeah, so his highest charting comes in at number 17. So he's, he has gone into the top 20 with, with Back Off Boogaloo, which is a Such good a song. fun song. Yeah. And that's followed up by Snookaroo at number 35. Yeah, okay. Which, because I, I think, I mean, it's, it's a, I, I think that's scored well for its words. It's got an interesting. It's the Elton John. Even though it's called Snookaroo. Bernie Taupin. Yeah. Photograph after that, which I think some people said that, you know, why you, they considered you a cold-hearted swine. Yeah, but then it's actually the, his, according to my own scoring system, my third favourite one of, of his to come up. So, I it, certainly prefer Photograph to Snookaroo, and I think you're a, a, a mad fool. There's only, four, there's only five points in it, so, I mean, that might well be to do with the fact that Photograph doesn't have... I think the lyrics did really well for Snookaroo, even though it's called Snookaroo. There was some great other lyrics that I really enjoyed in it. Then down at the bottom, we have Tonight at number 94. <laughs> Yeah, which was the, which is I remember for all the wrong reasons. Call me these kind of hazy seventies. Yeah, yeah. A dose of rock and roll because I just I don't think that probably needs to be as low as it is, but it it's, it's a weird slow thing. And then Devil Woman that probably should have been lower than that really. Hmm. Um, but it's a, it's the next space so they're probably more or less tied. Yeah, yeah. so. But it's been an interesting thing with, with, with Ringo's tracks. And these are just the singles as well. And I think there's something, some of them make them sit outside a little bit. Yeah, and Ringo's story is very much, you know, brilliant early albums, extreme drop-off in quality. Yeah. Um, as his interest and, and focus goes. Yeah. Um, we've got a, a good handful of Ringo stuff left to do still as well, in fact. Sadly, mainly B-sides, but... Uh. At least a couple of good ones in there, I think, almost for definite. Oh, good. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I, I did. I did at one point when I was trying to cut this data up a different ways. Look at his scores over the years, and I think his start strong and go down towards the end of the seventies. He's definitely had a. I think whereas McCartney's were kind of level across the seventies, it was Richie's are kind of like. He starts strong and he kind of tails off towards the end quite badly. But um, anyway, so the only other stats I thought might be of some kind of interest was um, the kind of averages on the metrics I use, which is music, lyrics and production, to see who wins on averages, you know. So far. So far. So. So far, couch, armchair. (laughs) So we have. Maybe there is stuff in this impossible. Oh dear, I'm not. Gonna, this isn't going to be the episode where you, you find out you're, you've 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 taken some terrible legal high. Yeah. <laughs> live, well, not live. I'd still have to put it out there, Paul, because it'd be too good to miss. Yeah. Um, I'll so probably crash in a minute. Looking at music, then the um, the average of the mute score I've awarded for music, John is coming out on top at the moment with an average of eighty point four. Um, George is second with an average of 71.4. There's a big gulf there, but I think that's because John's distribution of scores is less songs, bigger scores on the whole, you know, less kind of like, Ooh, I'm really not sure about that one kind of things. George comes out at 71. Paul close behind on 70.2 average. Yoko, Yoko then at 64.7 and Richie at the bottom at 59.9. Oh, Richie. But I mean, um, yeah. So you know, from purely music stats alone, George is up there. You know, 
um, mm. behind John. Then you come to lyrics and similar story other than you've got John at 73.4 on average for lyrics. Yoko is next because obviously she's only got a handful of songs, 66.7. And then George at 65.4 and Paul at 62.4 and Ringo at the bottom at 56. So again, George and John, mm. Paul McCartney, despite dominating six slots of the kind of top 10, on average, scoring behind George and John on, on music and lyrics. So in production, very similar story. John at the top <laughs> was 77.6. George was 76.7. Paul with 76.4. So it's very, mm. very close because I've scored so many 75. Yoko with with a straight 76. And then um, Ringo at 75. A picture is emerging of your um, preferences here, Gary. Yeah, it it seems it's it, well. I th- I think it's the it's the wings factor for McCartney. Yeah. I don't know if it. And I say I I I don't know if um I haven't spent much time with their albums as whole entities of things rather than these songs plucked out of them. But I do think well, this, yeah, the, the, it's the a songs, learning process as much for. Partly for me, but more for you. Yeah. In terms of knowing these this material for the first time, and what do I ever. actually like from it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, some of the ones I really like, I already knew because I think everyone knows them because they're just really good, and they would have been really good if he'd have done them on his own with Wings, with the Beatles, because he's an amazing songwriter. Yeah. Yeah. I think the things when he's trying to be a band of some kind that's trying to fit in or ride a wave, that's the stuff that. It, they did a lot, didn't they? And it really is like the quality spread of wing stuff is, I think, quite, quite diverse. Okay. <laughs> so that was my stats corner. Stats corner. That's that. <laughs> that stats corner. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 the um, theme. Daydreamer. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Should we do some quick fire questions? Let's do quick fire if if if, if that's possible. Right. Well. I've got the Twitter up. Okay, I'm going to find the first question. I think a lot of them might have to be answered by you, but we'll see. Blah, blah, blah. Where is it? So, this comes from the Teetles. Hello, Hugh. At Teetlemania. Our friends at the Teetles, who have very kindly sent us some nice postcards and things in the past, which I am trying to find some more space to put up somewhere, but I'm very happy to have received them and the magazine. Um, And he says... Ringo, being a great drummer and all, any great drumming performances post-Beatles? And well, we've, we've had, just before you answer, we have had a another listener, uh, Stuart George, say, God by John Lennon, Ringo's fills are epic. I mean, it's a really good place t- to go looking for good Ringo stuff. So the, the John Lennon Plastic Ono band album, mm. which is essentially John and Klaus and Ringo, mm is an amazing opportunity to hear Ringo drumming on, not on a Beatles record. I think the thing is, it's so close to the Beatles period and his association with mm. John. But because it's so stark, you know, it's not overloaded with Spectreish production and stuff like yeah. that. Um, you do get stuff like God, which is an amazing Ringo work. You know, it's it's brilliant drumming from him. So I mean, it seems like uh, Stuart's probably you know made a really good suggestion there. Yeah. You wonder about, so a thing we've said quite a lot, when we see Ringo's name come up, either on his own songs or with with George, for instance, very often it's Ringo and usually Jim Keltner. Yeah, he seems to double himself up and it's unclear whether that's confidence or preference. Yeah. Or the habitual voyeur of what he's known as. Yeah. Um, But some of his his single stuff, like Back Off Boogaloo, the fact that they've gone for that decision, and, and it had to be Ringo to get that. Mm. sort of lope of the sort of march drum mm. that's Ringo through and through he's a great drummer he's, he he's a always be, yeah. been a great drummer he perhaps doesn't get as much opportunity after the Beatles to be a super creative drummer to have the material to work around he's probably his focus has changed doesn't it to I yeah. am now he's an entertainer he's stopped being yeah. yeah it's uh it's a thing so i mean my my instant choice when i saw that question from Pew was thinking about the john lennon plastic ono band stuff and and songs like god really are just a brilliant demonstration of what ringo can do and 
Yeah, I think it's tricky. It's okay. tricky. He is great. There are great drumming performances. I can't think of like a specific one off one of his solo albums, except that really, really marks him out. But it's just enjoy it. Enjoy the feel as much as anything. Yeah. That's 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 the great stuff with Ringo. Okay, well, I can't add any more to that because I, I'm hearing most of his single um, solo stuff for the first time. So apart from the, the album Ringo, which I already had, which you got me a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. And I, I like that, but I, I, I can't think of a specific one on there. But again, that just made, reminded me of the Beatles drumming. So I think, great, that's good. Um, let's go on to another question then, Paul. This mm-hmm. is from, and apologies for any pronunciation. Oh, no, it's not. It's just dieter. <laughs> I was going to, I guess I have a dieter or dieter. Dieter, it's dieter. dieter. Is it dieter? Yeah, not dieter. That's oh, there you go. Well, I, I, I so apologize. You still managed to mess it up after saying you weren't going to mess I it up. I apologise correctly then, and then I and then I decided to retract that apology and then got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> or at my chameleon days, Dieter. Yeah, sorry, Dieter, who says you sometimes mention that you discovered something in a song you have never noticed before while preparing for an episode. I wonder how many times do you listen to a song before discussing and rating it? So, I mean, I can take it from my point of view. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Just to give a little oversight, if anyone doesn't already podcast, <laughs> most people do. Um, from my point of view, because I work full time and I'm a parent um, and there's lots of other things going on. The, the only way I can get through the shows really in my time in the week is I listen to the songs a few times whilst writing my notes for them. I listen to them for the music, the production, and then maybe again for the lyrics. Um, so I'm, I'm listening to them really. If I've not heard them before... That they they're getting two or three plays really, and maybe a jump back in a bit. the The difference with this season is that I didn't know them beforehand. Whereas when we started this endeavor, I wasn't expecting to hear many Beatles songs I'd never heard before because I'd heard them all. Um, I thought I think there was a few obscure ones I didn't know about, but mm-hmm. the um, this is different. So yeah, they get a few. <clears throat> excuse me, they get a few plays. It takes me about an hour. It takes me about the length of the show to write the notes. And then the length of the show to record the show, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then about half the length of the show to edit it, which I've managed to distill down to a, a very quick process. It used to take longer. So it's quite a few hours of time a week to do things. So that's how long I listen to. I would listen more if I had more time, but I don't. But I will hopefully go on to listen to them more, I would have thought. What about you, Paul? Yeah, it's interesting. This has been similarly for me. I don't know this stuff as well as I know the Beatles stuff. But even with the Beatles stuff, I always make sure I was doing a, a very close listen. And so it's one of those things I, I feel it's important to, to do. If we're talking about production, for instance, to do a yeah. really close, concentrating listen. Yeah, yeah. But also, I think it is equally as important to do a sort of the music's on and it's 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 there. Yeah. Because there's different ways of experiencing it. So I try and make sure I do a, a few good listens through. But again, it depends on very much on whether I know the things very well. I, but I'd never sit down and go, oh, I know another day. <laughs> because you yeah. know, the thing that Dieter points out is there, sometimes mention you discovered something in a song you never noticed before. Um, and I do that yes. a lot on those close listens, even with things you think you're totally familiar with. And like when I got these new headphones and things like that, suddenly different things leap into focus. Mm. It's amazing what the difference different type of headphones make to to your experience of something yeah i always make sure i've got i'm listening on my best headphones and that i'm that i get do one listen to through where i'm listening all the way through without typing as well so that i can then have yeah a listen through where it's I very easy i mean that's a bizarre thing i don't know if it's just my attention span maybe it's very easy to get distracted in the course of three minutes 30 seconds while a song's playing yeah. and suddenly think oh i haven't heard any of that yes yeah indeed or so, rather, you've heard it but you haven't listened to it I hope that goes. I mean, yeah, for me, I'm not obviously. I'm discovering most of these songs for the first time, but there are things in them. I guess ones I do, I did know the the more famous ones. Yeah, I hope that um, helps. But it's not an exact science. Um, but that's um, that's the that's the process. Let's carry on then. You missed one from Mark Crilly. I haven't. Oh, did I? Did I? Oh, okay. Sorry, Mark. You're a bad Crilly. person. At Hi, Mark. Mark Crilly. Hello, Mark. Regarding the four solo Beatles, has this recent examination of their 70s single surprised you in terms of what you imagined their output to be like versus what it really was like? Has it reinforced your preconceptions? Um, I think McCartney's about where I thought it was. I've always kind of 
thought it was a bit up and down as far as what I would like and wouldn't like out of it, but I wanted to give the benefit of the doubt. And I still think there's a lot more there than I realised. There's a lot more to it that I want to hear. Lennon, I already knew his stuff much more than everyone else's because I had a lot of the the collections anyway. So I knew a lot of it. Um, I'm surprised there's not as many of the songs that I thought I knew in this collection, in this, because they're not, they weren't singles. They went on to be famous after he died and kind of came back around. Harrison, really a real ear opener, as I said before with George, didn't know much about anything outside of like the one he did for Time Bandits and My Sweet Lord, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, and with Ringo, I only knew that he did quite well early on and that he was one of the first ones to really make a mark, wasn't he? And yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to surprise people He was with King that. Beetle for a while. I didn't know about his slope into kind of the end of the 70s and the, the context that you've given me in this really does map to the music in some of the cases with him and George a bit as well, I think. Yeah. About, you know, their, their bad patches and, and it, that feeling of needing to do something. I think the thing that constantly surprised me about all of them is that other than John, perhaps, who seemed to reach a kind of a status he was able to maintain just by being him in the way he did things, now the other three really... It's like they, the Beatles didn't happen for them in some ways and they didn't didn't massively... I'm not saying John traded on it, but they didn't... They felt the need to keep reinventing and proving themselves and they didn't rest on the laurels and that didn't always go right. But um, for them, but it's just strange. They could so much. They so nowadays you would have just have traded off the Beatles years, wouldn't you? You wouldn't. You just you just would. Yeah, but yeah, it feels like they felt that they they had to keep on moving and trying things out. Yeah, which kind of went in different ways for them. What about you, Paul? Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's everything. I think I knew knew it all a bit better than you did, anyway. Yeah, of course. Um, but um, yeah, George is always a bit of my blind spot in that i hadn't dug into masses of his stuff certainly not b-sides and not much of the album stuff mm. either and what i am i'm finding despite mm. me sort of being quite critical in every episode about the production and not being able to hear his voice and stuff like that i often come away singing the george songs to myself for days afterwards yeah more than some than any of the others really well that's good Although I have been singing silly love songs all around at work today while I was walking around. Yeah, Luckily, my work's quite empty still at the moment. So there's corridors in Liverpool echoing to me doing the love doesn't come in a minute bit. <laughs> I've just I've just thought of a terrible double meaning for that. Okay, so mm-hmm. let's um, move on because um, we, we, this is going to end up being a full-length episode. Um Will Neville, hello Will. Hey Will. At Will Neville, ni- um, oh, 1892. 1892. Uh, um, says, should Macca make a country album? I'm going to give you a one word answer to this. Go on. Uh, well, I, I, no, I don't I don't think so. I, I just think he's, I just don't really care for it that much. <laughs> what about I you, I think Paul? if he'd have gone over to Nashville, for example, as we know he did. Yeah. And he had said, I'm going to make a country album. And we had a sort of country-esque Wings album. Yeah. That would have been fascinating. But what he does is he t- he tends to go to places thinking, oh, I'm going to soak up the vibes of, you know, yeah. wherever. And, and ends up just making McCartney music. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wherever the, he goes. It, because yeah. he's such a force of creative personality, really. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to hear a Macca country album, but it would be... Not now, if you'd have done it in the past. It depends what you... This country's a very broad terminology as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, yeah. like, I like... Even though it didn't score particularly highly, I like the vibe of something like Deliver Your Children, which I think is country-esque, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't like the Sally G. That, to me, is like, like barn dancing, line dancing type of country music, which I, is, I, I just can take a leave, really. It just feels functional and not that interesting to listen to. I like the kind of, like... Riders on the Storms type type of country music, that side of things. So yeah, if you did like more, you say, lots of different types. Yeah, if you did that kind of thing, I'd be a bit more into it. Right, let's keep them going, keep them going. Move, yeah, move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gen Z Bot at Gen Z Bot Two says, um, "What are your favourite solo Beatles albums? Also, what impressions have the songs that were new to you left?" So um, I I'll go. First. I think the Yoko stuff might be something that's yeah. left some, a really lasting impression. Yeah. 
um, I'm not going to say anything about my favourite solos Beatles album because I don't think I could fairly judge it at this point because I've been listening to singles specifically in this context, so I can't say that. Uh, George Harrison's George Harrison mm. is pretty damn good. Um, brainwashed as well because I've been thinking about that because it's been playing recently and that's just, just, just such an amazing album to be your posthumous message to the world. Uh, Ram is phenomenal. Tug of War is brilliant. And then, yeah, it's it's one of these weird things. Ringo's a great album. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Uh, all the sort of self-named albums are all really good. Yeah. That's possibly something we could do as a comparison in some point, you know, yeah. do something special about to compare the eponymous albums. Hmm. Uh, I say, I, I'm not going to say, because I, I haven't consumed them in that in that way, enough of them to kind of make a make a judgment and I haven't got I, I couldn't tell you even if I did add because I'm I haven't got a very good brain <laughs> for that kind of thing. Brain not for good beat. But um impressions of the songs that were new to you've left. Um yeah, I think Paul's right definitely with Yoko Ono, I think that's left a big impression on my knowledge of her output. So that therefore my cultural level has been re- has been brought up a bit, I think, by that. Anyway, let's keep on going. But th- thank you for the question. Have we got... Um, oh, another one from Gen Z Bot. Gen Z Bot, you can't have two questions. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let them we'll, off. We'll let which them off this time. Beetle, them off. Uh, which Beetle diss track did it better? Paul McCartney with too many people, John Lennon with How Do You Sleep? I think we'll save that. I will give you a quick answer, Go a very then. quick answer. They're two different types of songs. They're quite hard to compare, despite the fact that they clearly are both shots fired type yeah. ones. One's couched in McCartney language, one's very much in super direct Lennon language, so it's quite a, a tricky one to say. John's is more a direct shot across the bow type thing, whereas Paul's is more a subtle drilling of holes in the bottom of your boat. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I I, 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 I I listened to them a little bit, but I don't can't bring them to mind to make a comment. Um so Green Lion thirty one at Green Lion one two three one. Any thoughts is that about the pin do- number? Uh, I hope not. Um, Steal Green Lion's wallet, everyone. Any thoughts about doing album tracks next, or maybe like ranking whole albums over the course of an episode or two for the next series? Well, we just kind of mentioned that, didn't we, about yeah, yeah, specific eponymous albums. It does feel like there's obviously, because a lot of John's output is really well known, but our album tracks, it just feel like we're missing a good whack of stuff. We have we, I mean, that, It links into the next question a little bit, Oh no, yeah. it doesn't. No, no, we'll stick with this question. Um, we'll th- we'll we'll think about it because we do need to think about the next season. Um, when, what, how, and such like. Whether we we won't extend this one beyond it because we need a break after it coming up. For, it'll be like six months by the yeah. time we finish this one. So we need a we need a good break. I think for a while. And by uh, that point, the new Zelda game will be out. So I won't be interested in doing anything except playing Zelda. Yeah, but um, I, I think there's some. Maybe if it's specials, if we look at some notables, we'll think about it. So we might do it. some like votes on albums. We would like yeah. whether people, but like I say, I think a possible good theme would be like the the eponymous albums, and mm. they could be done in a slightly. We'd have to be perhaps a bit briefer with our looks at each individual tracks, but yeah, you know, maybe do a side an episode or something like that. Maybe don't know. Yeah. There's lots of thoughts. We'll, we'll have a think. Good one. Something else about next season. Um, this is from Richard Adams at Albion Lewis. Hello and thank you. Um, <laughs> Hello and thank you. Come on. <laughs> Perhaps something for a future season. But what is the best cover version of a Beatles song? I think that would be something for a future season. We'd have to do that. I'd love. To, I'd love to perhaps do an episode where we get people to. Didn't we do an episode on cover versions of Beatles songs? We did a special, didn't we, back in season? I don't know. I think we did. You, you, you put. I, I did some, but it'd be interesting to do perhaps a thing where perhaps people vote for their favourite ones and we compile a few yeah. top winners and have a listen to those, really. It could, because... be, it could be a good special because the, I'm thinking there might be a longer gap between this and the next season and maybe we'll bridge that gap with a handful of specials, a bit like those rubbish years of Doctor Who that they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> where they can't quite be bothered to make a season, but they don't want to give it up either. Um so maybe that's one for a special. I quite like the sound of that. Yeah, I like, yeah. yeah. Thanks for that, um, Richard. Um, I think... That's it. Oh, that's it. Right, All then. questions done by. <laughs> no, that is it though, isn't it? So we've just under the hour mark as far as we 
I'm recording this and it won't be that far off for you listening. So we'll leave it at that. So, um, yeah, and we'll be back next week with um, the first of the last five. Is there anything you wanted to add, Paul, about things that left? No, I've, I'm just I'm just scanning down quickly that what we've got left coming up. Mm. Um, Do you think there's any big shakes? I think there's one or two. I mean, ultimately, what do, what does it matter what I think? You're the one who scores them, and if I think it's good, you'll probably think it's rubbish. Um, I think there's mm. definitely at least mm, four or five that could potentially be big hitters out okay. of the 25 tracks we've got left. Okay. And then like I say we've got we've got to have a bonus episode where we deal with some pseudonym album uh, pseudonym single output rather from yeah. mainly Mr McCartney. Okay. Yeah. Because he just that. can't stop himself writing and making. Off the top of my head we've got that then and we've got um we wanted to have a closer look at a couple of the cinematic releases of the solo Beatles. Yes. Yeah, um, mainly Ringo's weird TV thing, which I'm quite desperate to watch. And um, the McCartney. Yeah, we might do an episode in, like we've done in the past for the Ringo one. I don't know if we should do perhaps a record a commentary to give my regards to Broad Street. That could be interesting. Yeah, we um, tried to do something yeah. like that before. People would people would thrill to listen to, the, to us talk about that film. Yeah. <laughs> for the length of that film. Okay. Um, and I think we should... Sorry, Gary, I'm yeah, hijacking here. We should mention, I mean, partly, once we've got through these next few episodes, we will... Things might be a bit more spaced out than they've been in the for a little mm. while in the past. I'm kind of possibly planning to do some more head ballet episodes. Yeah. If anyone's not listened to those, they can go and find the, the head ballet podcast with me talking about novelty songs with a range of guests. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking about bringing that back if there's enough interest. But of course, one of the reasons we're sort of going to slow down a little bit after these ones is you are engaged in academic pursuits. And so that's taking up quite a bit of your time yeah. as well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm studying for a master's at work, through work, at work. So it's just another brain drain for, on me. But apart from that also, I'm just conscious of us coming to the end of a period of the 70s makes a lot of sense because we've got all four Beatles. They're all trying things out. I think post 80s. Once we lose John, we start. I think it starts becoming. The theme starts yeah, to fall apart. It will start pivoting towards just Paul McCartney too much, I think, just because his output just overwhelms yeah, yeah. everybody else's, really. And I think, I don't think that's the direction I want to go in with it beyond that. Maybe some notable things, maybe a specials. I had some, th- this is why we're casting around ideas. I have had thoughts about pivoting to look at more contextual stuff and looking at not just the Beatles, but looking at the competition they were up against in the 60s and seeing when we talk about what songs were number ones and what they were releasing maybe looking at things like number ones of all other artists um throughout the 60s and and maybe putting them through the big sort engine and seeing well where would they where were they landing in you know in my i don't know it's it's up for grabs really that kind of yeah but we need to kind of settle on something because it's much easier for us to plan and come back something so we're going to take a bit longer to figure that out but it'd be interesting to if you've got any thoughts on that if we were to look at something like taking taking a few years at a time from the 60s and looking at the number ones that were working around the Beatles and it, of course then including the Beatles because we'll be revisiting some stuff we talked about previously would that be of interest to people you know to give some context so we're not talking in a vacuum I think someone mentioned the other day on something well what was it now about this idea that the Beatles weren't were separate somehow to their to the everything that was going on, and they were this big impact thing, and they weren't. I think you you've mentioned it before, and I, yeah, about yeah. that film yesterday about how it if neglects the fact that it wasn't just the fact that they are obviously very good musicians, and but also they were they were at right time, right place kind of thing as well, and that's yeah. an important thing to remember and. What else it's one of these things on? you don't just you don't just suddenly wake up and write love me do and it becomes a sort of hit and so then you write from me to you and it becomes a sort of hit and you know rad and so on so on please please me whatever um you know because all it would have taken is for someone to have written a better song in those early days and yeah please please me might not have even made its official status of number two and therefore mm. people would have been viewing them with a bit more of a cynical eye and it, you know the things would have diverged and changed i mean yeah 
we can't change what's happened. We can speculate about what could have happened, but it didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, everything has to exist in context, so you can't... So what about a context season? This is the thing. This is what I'm thinking at the moment, because I think it'd be an interesting exercise I'd like well. to look at the number ones of the 60s because as much of... Because it's not the decade of absolute wall-to-wall brilliance that it's sometimes portrayed to yeah. be. And I think it'd be a really interesting journey to, to to really dig into what, and of course, it's not one one per week for every year. It's it's a number of weeks per one, isn't it? So, I think if we bundled them together, we could produce a list like we've done for the other series and go through the. I'll do my usual terrible scoring against them, which gives us jumping off points to talk about them, and and gives us an idea of what what were they up against, you know. So um, that's that's our current thinking, isn't it? That's our kind of we're wavering towards that. If we're to do another big full proper on season, but all these other suggestions that people have thrown in the hat, I think are good things for a series of specials between now and maybe doing that. So, you know, let's let us know what you think about that. Would it turn you off? You know, would you would or would you would you be up for that kind of as listeners? Um, I think it might be broader in some senses. You know? In many ways, I felt we've missed out talking about Cliff Richard <laughs> as much as we would end up doing. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's some food for thought. So I will, I'll leave you with that and I'll say thanks for listening and we'll see you next week for a proper old episode. Bye-bye. Good old Beatles.